and 2000 UTC. Good evening and welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington working on this program very remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan and Sudan this Wednesday, December 14, 2022. The UN Human Rights Commission says 166 people were killed during fighting in Upper Nile State between rebel factions. Violence that leads to dozens of people being killed in only four months, uh, hundreds of injuries and thousands of people being uh, having to flee their homes for safety is violence of a great magnitude. And the Human Rights Watch is calling on Sudanese leaders to end violent crackdown on protesters across the country. When you kick the justice and accountability and other important agenda down the ladder, so to speak, you would not produce a reliable stability. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. The UN High Commissioner for Human Rights says more than 160 civilians have been killed and over 230 others injured in Upper Nile State during the last four months of violence in the area. Volker Tuck says he is appalled by attacks on civilians by armed elements and urge authorities and community leaders to end the bloodshed. For VOA News, Wake Simon Wood reports from Juba. The UN Human Rights Commissioner Voka Taka said in a statement released from Geneva earlier today that authorities need to take urgent action to contain the situation and prevent the conflict from spreading. Tak says fighting between community-based militias over the past four months is worsening the state of human rights abuses in the area. Speaking from Nairobi, Saif Magango, spokesperson in the office of the United Nations Human Rights Commission, says the UN body wants to see a quick turnaround from government authorities to stop the violence. Violence that leads to dozens of people being killed in only four months, uh, hundreds of injuries and thousands of people being uh, having to flee their homes for safety is violence of a great magnitude. And uh, of course, we've seen violence in South Sudan before uh, arising from conflicts regarding pasture, regarding uh, resources. The UN Human Rights Office says it is particularly concerned about what appears to be deliberate targeting of civilians, adding that many South Sudanese have been killed and injured. Magango says the office of the UN Human Rights Commissioner reminds all parties involved that targeting of civilians is a violation of human rights and international law and that if the fighting is not stopped, it could spread to other areas. We have reason to believe that this violence, if it's not dealt with quickly um, in line with um, human rights and international law, it risks escalating within Upper Nile uh, State itself, but also uh, spreading to other regions like Jongle and Unity State, 
where we have there has been situations of violence in 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 recent in the very recent past. Tuck says the killings, along with the reports of gender-based violence, abductions, destruction of property, and looting, are severe human rights violations and abuses. He is urging government officials to conduct investigations into the violence and bring all those responsible to account in accordance with international law. Tuck says civilians have been subjected to forced displacement by the threat of the violence and that increased insecurity has slowed the delivery of urgent life-saving humanitarian support. South Sudan's Army spokesperson Major General Lul Rui Kwong insists the government has taken measures to contain the situation by deploying troops to the epicenter of the violence. Things are not out of hand. We have started seeing positive uh, impact on the deployment of our forces as indicated by the retreat of the White Army from shallow areas that includes Pachoda and Panyakang to the areas of origin. So it is an indication that the deployment we did is creating a positive impact. General Kwong says it's just a matter of time before the situation in Upper Nile is brought under control. He could neither agree nor disagree with the casualty figures reported by the UN saying the government forces had no access to the area at the time the fighting broke out. For VN News, Amwake Simon Wudu in Juba. A UN human rights expert is calling on South Sudan's leaders to double their efforts in preventing human trafficking, child marriage, recruitment and forced labor. The UN Special Rapporteur on Trafficking in Persons told reporters in Juba today action is needed to prevent trafficking, ensure victims are arrested and perpetrators are held accountable. Dengai Deng has the story for viewing from Bor. Sio Bohan Mulali, the UN Special Rapporteur on Trafficking in Person, has spent the past 10 days assessing the scale of human trafficking in the country and urged the government to take action. I'm calling on the government to redouble its efforts to prevent trafficking in persons for all purposes of exploitation, and in particular for purposes of sexual exploitation, child marriage, recruitment and use of children by armed forces and armed groups, forced labour and illegal adoptions. Um, urging the authorities to strengthen prevention measures and improve protection and support for victims as a human rights-based approach is critically important, as is a gender-sensitive and trauma-informed approach to trafficking in persons. Molali says she had what she calls constructive engagement with government officials during her visit, which included high-level meetings with government ministers and law enforcement agencies. She commended the progress made by the National Task Force on Counter-Trafficking in Person and Smuggling of Migrants, proposal of legislative and policy reform on trafficking in person, and for ratification of the trafficking in persons protocol. The visit is taking place at quite a critical moment in terms of peace building and state building in South Sudan. Um, Conflict-related sexual violence, including trafficking of women and children, remains a serious concern. Uh, There's a need for attention to the risks faced by children associated with armed groups and armed forces and of conflict-related sexual violence and trafficking. Molali stressed the need to end sexual and gender-based violence as well as child and forced marriage. She also underscored the need to promote women's empowerment and their participation in peace-building. 
I hope that the recommendations resulting from my visit will provide important tools to prevent trafficking in prisons, to strengthen human rights and survivor-centred responses to trafficking at this critical moment in peace building. Uh, Ending trafficking in prisons, especially women and children, is essential to achieving the sustainable development goals and to achieving gender peace and security. Despite gaps in the rule of law, Mulali says there is an higher need for effective justice and mechanisms, including full-functioning court systems and implementation of the 2017-2030 National Strategic Action Plan with the goal of ending child marriage by 2030. My report uh, will be presented uh, to the Human Rights Council uh, in June 2023. It will include recommendations to the government as well as recommendations to UN entities, UN agencies and to development partners um, to continue to support South Sudan's work in combating trafficking in persons, especially women and children, and ensuring a human rights-based approach to responding to trafficking. The special rapporteur met with survivors and victims of trafficking, including those who had been trafficked for sexual and labor exploitation, domestic servitude, child and forced marriage, and child recruitment. She also met with a number of sex workers, feminist activists, women leaders, and community leaders in Bentiu and Nimli. In Bentiu, Mulali visited an internally displaced camp hosting over 106,000 people, and IDP camps formed as a result of climate-related displacement and flooding. She says conditions across the country have limited access to education and have increased the risk of trafficking, including for purposes of child recruitment and marriage, sexual exploitation, forced labor, and domestic servitude. For VOA News, I am Deng Guiding in Bor. Human Rights Watch says Sudan's key political players and international partners should ensure that progress on human rights and accountability for serious human rights violations are at the center of any new transition. In a statement released Tuesday, the rights group say the government should end violent crackdown on peaceful protesters, release detained protesters and take concrete steps to ensure accountability for serious abuses. Michael Atit reports for VOA from Khartoum. The Forces for Freedom and Change Coalition, the main civilian component of the Sudan government before last year's coup, signed a framework agreement with the military leaders and other political parties nine days ago. The document lays out basic principles and government structure, but does not address five key issues, including transitional justice and security sector reform. Those issues are to be dealt with in a second phase of talks. Human Rights Watch charges the last 14 months have shown how desperate impunity fosters more killings and other abuses carried out by Sudanese security forces. Mohammed Osman, a human rights watch researcher on Sudan, says history has proven that political stability cannot be achieved without justice and accountability. When you kick the justice and accountability and other important agenda down the ladder, so to speak, you would not produce a reliable stability. I mean, this is this is a matter of, of Sudan history since independence. You get this vicious cycle that could be broken if there has been the political will. The agreement says the incoming transitional government will be formed by civilians and that all government forces will be under civilian leadership. It lays out general principles to form a transitional institutions and retrace commitment to promote freedoms and rights and accountability 
and to reform security forces. But Osman says it fails to spell out any clear time frames or details about justice and security sector reform. The agreement indeed, yes, mentioned the key issues like justice and reform, but then it defers the agreement on these crucial issues to a second phase without providing timelines, benchmarks, um, details on the process itself, um, saying that it depends on the agreement on the stakeholders who themselves made clear that they're not going to be part of the process. Pro-democracy groups, including resistance groups, rejected the deal, saying they will not engage in any new power sharing with the coup leaders. Military leaders ousted the power sharing transitional government in October 25, 2021 and killed about 122 people during protests that followed, says Human Rights Watch. Osman says protesters and victims of the crackdown need to be part of the process. Um, there hasn't been much of participation for the key groups, um, stakeholders, including resistance committees and, and victims groups who, who, from the start of the process, following the coup, made clear that the process is not, is not achieving their demands for full civilian rights respecting transition. Sudanese writer Meki al-Maghribi says the agreement does not meet all the demands of the civilian groups but calls it a good step forward. Forward. It puts disputes and complications in the track of long-awaited dialogue. Sudanese people and friends of Sudan should manage their expectations. All should be more realistic. Osman says international supporters, including the court countries of the United States, the United Kingdom, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, as well as the United Nations, should seize this moment and call for the release of all people unjustly detained following the coup and ensure that peaceful protesters, including those who oppose the framework deal, can exercise their freedoms safely. For VOA News, I am Michael Atit in Khartoum. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, some African leaders at the U.S. summit call on the African diaspora to work for the continent. Find out why after the break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today. What is the best way to introduce change? You have to educate. Education is the key factor to change. Without education, people will resist. You have to educate the person. You have to educate people on the situation on ground, the implication of that situation. And if the change is to come in, what impact is that change going to create? So the best way to introduce change is to understand the change. And you try to educate the people on what change is all about. I think just go right ahead and do it because there are always people who don't really like change and there are also always people who like change and they're conducive to change. And so I think there's always going to be that one person who's like, no, I don't like this, it's different. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. 19-year-old Maria Gadeng who currently leads the Boston College Eagles women's basketball team in rebounds, is a player to watch in the upcoming game against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets 
on Sunday. The daughter of a South Sudanese immigrant, Maria broke several records as a freshman at Boston College, including in blocks and starting 32 out of 33 games, the most by a freshman since 2007. As Nabil Biagio reports, Maria says she owes her drive and success to her parents' South Sudanese culture. Maria's parents migrated to the United States in 1999, fleeing a civil war in then southern Sudan and persecution by the Khartoum government in the north. The country would later split into Sudan and South Sudan. Although Maria played basketball at the national level in high school, her mother, Matilda Real, says her pride reached its peak when her daughter was accepted into Boston College last year, where she now plays for the Eagles. To be accepted, uh, to have her education in a pres- Teachers, college like Boston College is a is, is a dream come true. So I am very proud as an immigrant to have that opportunity for her. Last year, the six foot four, eighteen year old led the Eagles in blocks at seventy three, rebounding at six point three, and field goal percentage at fifty eight point three percent, the first in the nation among all freshmen and fifteenth overall in blocks. She also broke the single-season program record for blocks and was named ACC Freshman of the Week five times. But her coach, Joanna McNamee, says it's not just the records that make Maria stand out. Beyond the records, what makes Maria special is her mentality when it comes to hard work. She's willing to work hard and she's very humble. And even as a freshman, when she came in and started as a freshman for us in the ACC, and broke the fresh uh, freshman block records here and made the all-rookie ACC team. She, she accepted all of the awards with so much grace and humbleness. Maria's recipe for success on the court is simple, hard work. I think it's been like a long time coming and I've, I've worked for it for so long. So I just think that the product of like what I've been working on for the past couple of years, even throughout high school, to making sure I was always like getting in the gym and working a high school that played at a national level. So just challenging myself from an early age, I, I think that helped me be as successful as I am and then just keep climbing the ladder. Rial says although her daughter was born in the United States, she raised her and her older brother by instilling the South Sudanese culture in them. A lot of her journey is uh, driven by the South Sudanese culture. My parents were big supporters of education and since they were little, my children, they eat mula combo, they uh, go to uh, Sudanese functions, Sudanese community. It has been a big part of our life. And even though she's never been to South Sudan, Maria says she feels a strong connection to her parents' homeland and carries that with her every time she steps onto the court. I take a lot of pride in being like the daughter of people from South Sudan. I think that it's important to know where you come from and your culture. And they have, they've, they've taught me a lot about like where I'm from, even though I've never been back to South Sudan. They, ta- they teach me a lot about the importance of where I'm from and, like, family. Rial says she's grateful to call the United States her second home because of the opportunity it has given her and Maria. I want her 
to have the future that I didn't have, to have the opportunities that I didn't have. And I always tell Maria that there's nothing that's impossible for her to reach. So what's next for Maria? She has her eyes set on playing professional basketball in the Women's National Basketball Association or WNBA League. Some of the goals that I have in mind are like playing in the WNBA, you know, working to that, working towards that. Like besides like if sports, you know, sports are always going to be there. So I just think that taking on a role in like the health profession um, would be like a goal of mine. So it's just like kind of figuring out what I want to do. Uh, profession-wise, um, besides basketball. Coach McNamee believes Maria has a bright future both on and off the court. I, I believe that she'll be a player that can play professionally basketball. Both, uh, I hope that she has the opportunity to play here in the United States in the WNBA and then also play overseas. And then academically, she's working hard in the classroom and I think that I could see Maria being a boss and a CEO one day when, when that time comes, when the ball stops bouncing and she stops playing. For VOA News, I'm Nabil Biagio in Washington. Ghana's President Nana Akufo-Addo says the diaspora has an important role in the development of Africa using their skills, knowledge, trade and investment. President Akofo Odo spoke Tuesday in Washington, D.C. to the African Diaspora Young Leaders Forum at the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit. He called on Americans of African origin to help make the continent a place of investment, progress, and prosperity, and not a region from where youth flee in search of better lives in Europe or the Americas. We must work to help change the African narrative, which has been characterized largely by a concentration on disease, hunger, poverty, and illegal mass migration. Let us all remember that the destiny of all black people, no matter where they are in the world, is bound up with Africa. We should never forget that famous admonition of the celebrated Jamaican reggae star Peter Tosh. When he said, and I quote, don't care where you come from, as long as you are a black man, you are an African, unquote. We must help make Africa the place for investment, progress, and prosperity, and not from where our youth flee in the hope of accessing the mirage of a better life in Europe, Asia, or the Americas. That is what the Beyond the Return seeks to do. So we can derive maximum dividends from our relations with the diaspora in mutually beneficial cooperation and as partners for shared growth and development. We've done enough talking, and dare I say we've had enough conferences and workshops. We know what we need to do. It is time just to do it. We've run out of excuses for the state of our continent. We have the manpower, we should have the political will. It is time to make Africa work. U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris says the creativity and ingenuity of Africa's youth will help shape the future of the world. She says she and President Joe Biden will be there to support Africa's youth by investing time and energy. The Vice President spoke Tuesday to the African and Diaspora Young Leaders Forum at the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit in Washington. 
I strongly believe that the creativity and ingenuity of Africa's young leaders will help us shape the future of the world and that their ideas, your ideas, and innovations and initiatives will benefit the entire world. The Biden-Harris administration intends to be right there alongside you, these young leaders, knowing it is the spark and determination of young people that will drive and move us forward. And we are particularly excited about this future as we are to host the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit this week. In the coming days, as well as the months and years ahead, our administration will invest our time and our energy to fortify partnerships across the continent. Partnerships that, importantly, are grounded in candor, openness, inclusiveness, shared interests, and mutual benefits. And overall, our administration will be guided not by what we can do for Africa, but what we can do with Africa. In recent decades, the United States and African countries have worked together to spur economic growth and expand trade capacity across the continent. We have worked together to prevent more than one billion cases of malaria and to help more than 22 million people living with HIV-AIDS. Since the beginning of our administration, the United States has invested and plans to provide more than $19 billion for public health and to combat COVID-19, $3.3 billion in medium and long-term agriculture and food security investments, $10 billion in emergency food security programming, and $4 billion in development. We are focused on working with the countries of Africa to address current challenges, as well as to promote long-term growth and innovation. South Sudan in Focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. That's all we prepared for you this Wednesday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you miss this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with the song Free Sabah by Raskorbi. Last me, country, Sabah, yeah. Free Sabah, last me, 
Corby and the song Fisaba. I'm your host, John Tanzan Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.